The kids are dismissed to junior church if uh, you would like to send them. Or if you want to hear a world-changing message, they can stay here too. Hey, what Reggie failed to tell you this morning, he was driving back. He, uh, Sherry and Reggie have two boys up at UF. Pray for him. And he went to one of their events and was on his way home. And at Lee Road in 1792 at like 2 in the morning, he turned left and uh, was hit by a drunk driver. And I saw a picture of his car. I mean, my heart stopped. I mean, thank God our brother is here. Uh, uh, it's more about Jesus that he wouldn't tell you those things, but I will. But, you know, as we, even this Sunday, remember uh, the ministry of Greg Davis in our midst, that we remember uh, how fragile life is, uh, I, I rejoice that God spared your life, brother. And, uh, you know, drunk drivers at 2 in the morning. Um, I don't know if God's telling you not to go to Gainesville. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Figure that out. All right, this week, in public and in private, this week I heard these words Orangewood is a flagship church. And it wasn't for my mom. Um, (laughs) These are words that I heard from truly a pastor of the flagship church here in Orlando. I was so proud. Um, I was at a luncheon in Eatonville with many different pastors from our community. It was great to be there because we didn't look alike, if you know what I mean. Uh, They were folks uh, more of a Latin background or African-American and uh, some of us uh, PCA white folks. uh, But it was great to be there. And Joel Hunter was the one who referred to us as a flagship church. But I got to tell you, it doesn't matter really what Joel thinks. Because bottom line is, I want to tell you, I'm so proud of Orangewood. I really am. I'm so proud of, to go to different events in our community and, and hear about our name, to hear how you are being used by God to tell his story and to show his love. Uh, even even uh, this week, as we had a memorial service right here for Greg, uh, to have so many after the service say, this is a loving community. I uh, even had some relatives uh, of Greg's who were from Lakeland saying, you know, golly, we just kind of want to make the drive. And there's something special about Orangewood. And I want to tell you, there, it's, it's true. I'm very, very proud of who we are. And I'm in love with this church. I mean, I just had the privilege of leading our Discovering Orangewood class. And it's in that class at this time where I tell my story and how I got here. And it's amazing how God has, and his hand of providence has brought me here. And I love this. And this is the greatest pulpit. It really is. I, I desire no other pulpit, no other church. I'm just in love with Orangewood. You see, it's not about ultimately, though, us being a flagship church. It's about God. It's about God being worshipped. It's about Jesus becoming more and more famous in our community. It's for Christ and his kingdom. It's about bringing the reign and rule of Jesus to our community and God choosing to use the church. And this church as part of that is his A plan. You see... If we are a flagship church, as we should be, we need to therefore be on mission for King Jesus. Biblically, being a flagship church or being a, all churches need to be flagship churches, cities on a hill. We need to be a witnessing community together, together as family, proclaiming his story. This morning is the last in a four-week series, a sermon series entitled uh, Keys to a Healthy Church. 
we have sat right here under Acts 2 teaching, Acts 2 verses 42 through 47, peering through the window of the early church saying, what can we glean from them so that we can be a healthy church, so we can be a city on a hill, so we can be what God has called us to be, bearing the flag, not of Orangewood. God wants us to bear a much greater, bigger, worthy flag than that. But a flag for Christ and his kingdom. Bearing a flag that he wants us to advance his cause in this community. And we've looked at, into Acts, uh, into what Luke would have for us, inspire the Holy Spirit, and realize, you know, for us to get it, for us to be healthy, we need to be learning, we need to be growing and our love and knowledge of Him, we need to be a learning community. That's important. We've also seen that it's important to be a loving community. That we really got to care for one another in, in a way that's just not lip service, in a way that we're willing to throw our possessions together and say, you know what, God, what is mine is yours. And, or what, what, is, what you have given to me is you've given to this whole body. We got to love one another in word and in deed. We also saw last week, we got to be a, a worshiping committee. We We can't forsake the assembling of getting together and worshiping together. God has made us to worship individually, but also corporately. We've got to be together. And lastly, we've got to be a witnessing community as well. One that proclaims his story near and far. So turn me in your Bibles, and we're going to go to Acts 2, but we're going to springboard using one verse, kind of the whole purpose of the book of Acts. That's a story of Jesus continues in Acts 1.8. And we'll go from Acts 1.8 into uh, Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, being mindful that we're reading God's very holy and errant word. God's word for us this morning says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we turn the page to chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit has come. It has empowered the early church as it has empowered this church to be God's witnesses. They are coming to Christ. 3,000 have just been baptized after Peter's sermon. And here's what the early church is doing. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as many had need. And day by day, attending in the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having found favor with all people. And the Lord Himself, the Lord that we just sang about, who saves, the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Let us pray together. Father, it's been so good to be in your presence. It has been so good to sing your praises. It has been so good to be with family, your family, our family, my family. And to be reminded of 
who you are and to be reminded that you are a God who saves. To be reminded that incredibly, you want to tell your love story through us. But God, I'm incapable of doing justice, of telling your story in a way that shows your son as beautiful as he is, in a way that understands the Holy Spirit as powerful as he is. And Father, just of how glorious and loving you are. So God, we need you to come with the power of your Spirit and to do that only which you can do. And that is to speak through a broken sinner like me. Father, we ask that you would open up our ears to hear from our good shepherd. That spirit, you would illumine our minds to understand your word and to understand what Christ has done for us and understand what the Father is calling us to do to be your witnesses. The Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this resurrected power that raised Christ from the dead, that you would empower our feet so that we would tell your story with our lives, that we would walk worthy of the gospel. Father, the things that are said and done that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, use those things to make us more like Jesus. And the things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may they be forgotten and fall away quickly. We pray that you and you alone receive glory and we receive great challenge and great joy. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The first thing is this. As we look at the book of Acts, it's amazing. Luke is telling us the story continues. The story of Jesus isn't over. I mean, really, you look to the cross and it maybe looked like an incredible defeat turned to be an incredible victory. And the empty tomb was proclaiming that the story of Jesus goes on. And really what was happening in the early church was this, as the Holy Spirit came upon them and they received power, power to be God's witnesses, what that they were realizing was happening is this. God was empowering them through the good news of Christ and the work of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to be what God has always intended them to be. Witnesses proclaiming the good news of the reign and rule of Christ. To be the A-plan. To be those that God wants to use to proclaim the good news of Christ everywhere that we go. To tell His story and not just our story. We have this incredible privilege Christians, my brothers and sisters, because of the love the Father has lavished on us, because of Christ's perfect work on our behalf, we have the privilege of doing that which God has intended us from day one in a garden to do, and that was to be God's witnesses. You see, the church of God, the church of Christ, needs to be on a mission. We need to be flying a flag, and the flag we need to be flying is His. We are his storytellers. There's such good news. Through what he has done, through the work of his son, we have a greater story to tell than our own story. We have his story to tell. And what he's saying to us is this. I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to proclaim my story everywhere you go. When you go into a restaurant, maybe even after the service. I want you to tell my story to those around you. I want you to tell my story to those that wait staff. I want you to tell my story to those who live beside you. I want you to tell my story to those that you work with. And here's the beauty of the gospel. Telling his story is simply telling 
our story with Christ as the rescuer and Savior. Telling His story simply means loving Him and loving others in His name. But we need to be on mission telling His story to all those around us everywhere I go. And what we also need to realize, and sometimes the church forgets this, we tell His story in word and in deed. It's got to come out of our mouths. We have been given this great treasure to proclaim the mystery that's been revealed, hidden in Christ Jesus, that life and life eternally is found in God's Son. And we have to be able to, every person here who is a believer, a follower of Christ, we need to be able to articulate the story with our words. To be able to say, you know what? I was a broken sinner, separated from God. I didn't love him the way I should. I didn't do what he asked me to do, but he rescued me through the work of his son. And just be able to say, this gift is for you too. I know, I mean, I, I, I told you this, I keep on telling you this, I'm not naturally an evangelist. And I get to be kind of a scaredy cat when it comes to telling a story. Sometimes I feel so uncomfortable and I shift around, I don't really want to do it. But each of us as believers, we are called to be his witnesses. We have the privilege of telling his story. We need to be able to articulate with our words, this is what it means to have life and life abundantly. This is what it means to be set free by the gospel. But we tell it with so much more than our words. We tell it with our whole lives and our deeds. And when it says that we are going to be God's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, at the ends of the world, this is what he's saying. We are his storytellers and we tell it 24-7. We tell it 24-7 with our lives and everywhere we go and anywhere that God sends us, we are to be his witnesses. But what God has called us to do, this is so important, what God calls us to do, he enables us to do it. What God requires of us, he will provide for us. And so he's going to empower us to be his witnesses. He's going to say this, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. Again, in Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive, you being the church, those called, set apart for Christ, you will receive power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this power will allow you to be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit power has been given to us. The same power, unbelievable, the same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead has been given to us so that we can live in a manner worthy and so that we can tell his story. Think about the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the church started, Jesus called to himself in the beginning of his earthly ministry, 12 disciples. One was the devil. One would be a denier. One would be a doubter. And when this ministry reached the garden where he would sweat blood knowing he's about to give his life, those 12 followers of Christ turned and ran. Some leaving their clothes in the grasp of those who are grabbing them to stay. Are you kidding me? The world is going to be changed through 12? I mean, right there, you look at that garden, you look at Jesus' ministry, and you got to say Failure. He couldn't even get his closest friends to stick with him. And even, he couldn't even get his friends to pray. They fell asleep. And here in agony of the garden, Jesus, knowing what he was about to go through, even the closest three, the three that you think, come on, Peter, James, and John, just do this. They couldn't do it. And God's going to say, these 
scaredy cats? These turncoats? These yellow bellies are going to change the world? Their apostles' teaching is going to be changed to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? Yes! And the only way it could happen is if the Holy Spirit comes with power as Jesus has promised, as Joel way back in the Old Testament had pointed to, and it has come with power. And that same resurrected power is ours. You see, they were the storytellers, unique storytellers, because they were apostolic storytellers. They touched Jesus. And because they touched Jesus, they touched us with his teaching, and they still touch us with his teaching. But that same power, we have been empowered with the Holy Spirit to be his storytellers. My belly still comes yellow when I want to tell the story. My knees still sometimes shake. But God says, you're going to be my witnesses. This is where we get the word martyrs. Your life is going to tell my story. But it's not going to be about you. It's not even going to be about your gifts and abilities. It's going to be about me empowering you. You see, that's what we are do. We are empowered. We are called out to be his witnesses. Turn with me in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Incredible how uh, Peter describes who we are as those that have been elected before time began to be Christ. Those who have been called out to be his church. Listen to what 1 Peter 2, 9 says about us, the church, the witnesses. It says this, But you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why are we this? That you and I may proclaim, be witnesses, that you and I may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is who we are, church. We're the called out ones. We have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have once, we're not a people. Now we are the people of God. He's lavished the love upon us. We have been set apart so we can tell his story. That is why he has called us out. You know what the church means in Greek? The word ekklesia, where we get church, um, is, is really the verb to call. And the, uh, the ek and the ekklesia is called out. The church are the called out ones. That you and I have been called out of darkness. The darkness of our own sin. The darkness of hell being separated from God. The darkness of not having eternal life. The darkness of not having any hope that our sins have been forgiven. The darkness of not knowing that God is for us. Not, that, that God is really uh, not against us. Um, but he is actually now for us in Christ Jesus. Darkness of being separated from God. We have been called out of that darkness into his light. Why? So that we can proclaim. We have been set free so that we can tell his story, so we can proclaim his excellencies and tell his story to the world around us. That is why we are called the church. You know, I I know that when we are called to uh, proclaim his excellencies, um, Sometimes it takes different pictures in our head. What do you think about when you think about someone who proclaims the excellencies of those in Christ? What do you think about those who are witnessing for him? You know, I don't know about you, but I got a lot of images that aren't healthy. I remember being in college, and I remember one day uh, 
a guy walking on the beach with a big sign that told, me that, told us and anybody who would read the sign that we're going to hell. And I remember feeling empathy for him. I remember going up to him and saying, excuse me, sir, I mean, I'd like to engage with you in this conversation. Why are you telling all these people they're going to hell? Because I do believe, clearly Scripture teaches, that apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, apart from a saving relationship by God's grace, that we acknowledge that we're sinners, we come to Him, and we embrace Christ as Savior, I do believe the Bible's clear that we are bound for hell. So I'm trying to figure out why is, what, why is this big message, and he pointed to me, and I was wearing a bathing suit. I was on the beach. And don't picture that because I don't want to lose you yet. But I was back in college, so it was okay. Um, and he said, you're going to hell because look what you're wearing. In those days, we did wear shorter bathing suits. But it, I promise you, it did not it involve hell. I said, no, let me, let me, let me see because, no, I have Jesus Christ in my life. And, you know, he led with God's wrath. He led with judgment. And I, I think he missed the story because the God of the Bible leads with love. There's a God who saves. There's a God who's merciful. I remember being a, 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 a businessman in New York, and I remember walking down the street and seeing the, the street preachers. And I really, again, I had a heart for them because I love Jesus, and I'd listen. And oftentimes I'd be kind of embarrassed with how much hate there was. By being his witnesses, we tell his story. And we tell it in a way that reveals his character. Our God leads with love. Our God demonstrated love for sinners. That while we were still sinners, Christ came to die. We always want to lead with grace and mercy. Yes, God's wrath is a part of the story. And we can't separate that either. Because that is who God is. But when we, be his, when we are called to be his witnesses, we are to be winsomely offensive. I know I've said that before you in the past. Winsomely offensive. Loving our Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving our neighbor as ourselves. And yet, sticking to truth. And not backing down. And let God's word speak. You see, that's what we're called to do. We're actually called to witness with our very lives. Our very lives are supposed to be a form of worship. Listen to uh, what Romans 12, 1 says. I appeal to you, therefore, Paul writes, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies... As living sacrifices. Now listen, the word witness uh, is, is a testimony where we get a martyr. It's, a, it's our, let our lives be a sacrifice to Christ. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is so cool. What God is saying to us is this. You are set apart. You're called apart. You're called out of darkness to be my witnesses. And you're going to witness to, for me by the way you live your lives. And we call that worship. Listen, here's what he's saying. I was too wordy with that. Live your life in a way that just every day worships me. That you realize that now, because of what Christ has done for us, that we lay our lives down. We no longer live for ourselves, as Paul says in Galatians. That now we live for Christ who died for us. And our very lives become a worship for him, a sacrifice for him. See, we are created. Everyone in his image is created to worship. And our lives need to be a living witness, a living sacrifice, and maybe even to martyrdom so that others will have a life of worship as well. Piper, it was quoted earlier, so beautiful. Worship truly is the fuel. The worship of God is the fuel and the goal of our witnessing. We witness in the workplace. 
We witness with our neighbors, not so it's about us or Orangewood, so that they can know the joy of worshiping the God who is. So they could do with that which they were created to do, know and love and serve God. Okay, now for us to be witnessing the way we need to be, the witness of being in submission, we got to witness in a way that we have to proclaim to the world. This is interesting, but we got to proclaim to the world that we are under submission. The witness of being in submission. Our personal lives are to be missions under submission, under Jesus' mission. In submission to him for Christ and his kingdom. It's not about us. We have to demonstrate to this world that it's not about us. That we truly are on mission. But our mission begins with submission. Submitting to the one who is greater. To the one who is holy. To the one who is God. To the one who has rescued us. Our lives and our church lives need to reflect the reality that we are in submission to Christ. And how do we do that? Well, we talked about being a learning community. We need to be in submission to God's word. This is God's word, holy and errant. It is able to divide soul and spirit. Uh, It is able to bring us life. We have to be people of God's word. It says we are going to submit to the apostles' teaching. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's fuzzy. Sometimes it just isn't completely clear. We've got to say, God, we're under your authority. This is your word. Therefore, because we are to be your witnesses, we have to be on mission. We have to be in submission to your word and that you're, you're teaching. Again, it goes back to worship. It's why it's important for us to be here. That's why it's important for you to be in an equipping center. It's why it's important you have a daily quiet time. We've got to demonstrate to this world that we are under submission. There's a king ruling over us. When we're praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, when we're trying to bring the kingdom of God here in central Florida, they have to see our lives submitting to a king. If we don't submit to King Jesus, our witnesses, doesn't matter. It doesn't make any sense. Does it not make sense to you and me? We have to demonstrate that we are under submission. Jesus can say whatever he wants in our lives, and we've got to follow. Is he king of kings? I mean, is he lord of lords? Is he very God? Does he have the right to speak into our lives? We owe him our lives. We owe him our breath. In the church of God, we must be in submission to Jesus. And it must be clear. And the way we do that is we are people of God's word. We believe it. We honor it. We bow to it. And we bow to King Jesus. We also, bow to, we also need to submit to one another. We really, we talked about this in, in this family message in Ephesians, but we need to be in submission to one another. We need to consider others' interests more important than ourselves. Listen, if we're a bunch of selfish egomaniacs that's all about us, and then we come to church and it's still about us, our, our message is muted. We miss it. But if they could come, and if you're here even as a visitor today and you come, just let us know we're, we're striving for this of really loving one another. Because in our flesh, in our sinful self, we want our story to be most important, don't you? I mean, still, i got to fight it. I want my story to be the most important. But it's his. And then he says, not only his, it's got to be yours and ours together. Submitting to one another. Listen, the witness of the church needs to be a church in submission. Not only that, we got to be a witness of being a commission. 
This is not a solo mission. So many, so many people think that Jesus came just to save them. It's all about them and Jesus. That's such a huge part of the story. But it's never been about a solo mission. It's always been about a mission together, a co-mission. We are in mission together. Do you feel it? He wants us to link arms. He wants us to own this together. This is our story, his story. Uh, according to Webster, commission is this. A group of people officially authorized, and by the way, think of the church, a group of people officially authorized. Guess how we know that we're officially authorized? The Holy Spirit. God's authorizer. He's authenticated that we are His. The Holy Spirit has come. A group of people officially authorized, when we think of the church, we think of the Holy Spirit there, to perform certain duties or functions. That's us. God has authorized us to do some certain duties or functions. What is that? Well, it includes being a loving community. A duty of really loving Him and loving one another. Being a co-mission together means this, that we do really have all things in common. That's part of our witness. When Christ, especially those of you who are math-minded here, think of this, when Christ is the most common denominator... When Christ is the most common denominator, we have all things in common. My Lord is your Lord. My Savior, your Savior, makes you my brother, my sister, my family. It makes you and me storytellers together. It really makes us have all things in common. This mission, Orangewood, should cause us Because it's for King Jesus, by the way. King Jesus. This mission for King Jesus should be such a priority in all of our lives that collectively together we hold on to nothing tightly. That we say for the cause of Christ, everything is negotiable. Everything should be leveraged. We'll do anything. Because we got a world to win. He's called us to be his witnesses. He's called us to advance his kingdom. He's called us to bring the reign and rule of Christ wherever we go. Everything we have is his anyway. We're going to leverage it all. Nothing am I going to hold on tightly. Nothing am I going to say mine above saying ours, and most importantly, his. This Wednesday, I was in Ocala with some business leaders of Ocala, some men and women that God has gifted to make lots of money, and uh, they happened to be Christians, and Richard Pratt went and, and did a phenomenal job uh, telling them about the kingdom of God and in a way that's saying, men and women of Ocala, we're on a war footing here. Our king is in battle. Do we believe it? Our victorious king who's going to win is in battle for this earth that he's created. And we are his ambassadors. Are we leveraging our resources in a way that really wins the battle, in a way that really proclaims Jesus as Lord and to watch a room full of business leaders get it? To realize it's not about the silo of their little ministry or the silo of their little company, but God has given them some assets to use, even in the business world, to tell his story. It's got to be our story, too. This commission, are we realizing that we're together and together we are on war footing? You see, not only that, we have to be the witness of being on mission. I love that it was this daily, daily the Lord was adding 
to the church. Daily the Lord was saving souls. Daily church, daily church, we need to be sowing for Jesus. Daily, tomorrow, you need to be proclaiming the good news of Christ, and so do I. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we need to be pouring the truth of the gospel into our families, first and foremost, into our neighbors, into those who work with us daily, so that daily the Lord can reap alongside of us. You see, we do have a mission uh, of, of word, a mission of telling the story. Um, Romans 10, I alluded to this last week, uh, verses 14 and following, basically says God is created. Normally God uses the, the, the message proclaimed, the good news of Christ proclaimed by word to bring people to himself. And if we don't proclaim the, the word, how can they hear? And if we don't go, how can they hear? And God wants to use us. Listen, students, God wants to use you. If you're homeschooled and private school, Orangewood, public school, you too are his witnesses, proclaiming his story. we got to be able to do it with our mouths. Not only that, we want to say to you, each, each one of you who have been around here for a while, invite your friends. Tell them to come. Be proud of what God's doing here. And, and we really do promise to try to every week, uh, it's going to be our goal is to proclaim the, the, the good news of Christ that we have hope in Jesus. There was a God who came to rescue and a God who saves. So if you're at that point in your life where, you know, I just have a hard time getting the words out, just say, hey, can you come to church with me this Sunday? We would love to have you come. But we got to be on a mission of the word. You invite them, we'll preach. But you too got to tell your story. And again, let me just set you free. You don't have to tell my story. You don't have to do it in the way that I'd say, do it. you got to be You. You and Jesus, just tell your story. You can do that. Tell your story. Tell the truth of your story. Even better, you don't have to be Jesus. Just be someone who loves Jesus. The good news is, be someone who needs Jesus. And that's the truth of all of us. Hey, you know what? I'm just like you. I'm a mess. I got a lot of the same fears. I got the same brokenness. But you know, it's just unbelievable that God set me free. I I can't help but tell you. Unbelievable what Jesus has done for me. I mean, I'm a little uncomfortable telling you, but I just got to. Will you come to church and listen? Mission of deed. You know, uh, Paul makes it very, very clear in Ephesians 2, um, 2, 8, 9, who is the God who saves. He makes it very clear that God's the one who does it. And we're going we're gonna to land there here in a second. But uh, 2, 8, it's a famous verse. Um, if you love Jesus, you should know it. If not feel guilt all over your life. Uh, just kidding. Um, Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace, by grace you've been saved through faith. I love that sequence, by the way. It's not even faith. It begins with God's grace. If you ever think salvation begins with you, you missed it. You're, you're man-centered. It's egocentric. Salvation begins with God. God is the one who saves. It's God's grace that he allows, he gives to us through the work of his son. Sorry, I, I could really go off for an hour there, but I won't. By grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. Well, let's make it clear. It is the God who saves. It's not what you do to build your own stairway to heaven. It's God rescuing you and me through the work of his son because he's a merciful, gracious God. Amen? But verse 10 says this, 
but we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship, his, his masterpiece, I like to say, created in Christ Jesus, recreated in Christ for good works. <laughs> Not saved by him, but saved to do them. Saved to be under mission doing these good works. Unbelievable. That we should walk in them, which God has prepared beforehand. Again, we see God always the initiator. God has prepared beforehand that we walk in them. You see, we ought to have to show the, uh, the mission of deed. Open your bulletins, you'll find something called Fusion 2000. The reason I was with these pastors in the community, um, hearing that we were a flagship. I hope they got that on tape. Fusion 2007. Um, something called uh, Connect City. Um, there are the churches coming together and really, by God's grace, using much of what God has done through this church and through our partnership with our Eatonville brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, the city's getting excited. Uh, they're going to have a time uh, uh, upcoming weekend, October 5th, 6th, and 7th, for the churches to show the love of Christ in deed and word, primarily deed in this, um, to the, our city. Listen, we want to go wherever God's shalom, his peace is not residing. We want to bring Christ's kingdom in there. Uh, and so this is a great tool for us. You're going to be hearing more about this in the coming weeks. But Robert is crazy enough to say, Jeff, I'm praying for a 100% participation from Orangewood. Every man, woman, and child. There's enough for all of us to do. These are not all Orangewood projects. Most of them aren't. But this happens to include our 5K race weekend, which is an incredible opportunity to show the love of Christ indeed um, to those around us. I love the fact that all the proceeds goes to others. Um, but we're going to ask you, there's an incredible website. You'll see all the listings of opportunities to, to join. I know there's SATs that weekend. I know there's a volleyball tournament that weekend. I know there's a lot of stuff that weekend. But let me challenge each and every one of you. Show the love of Christ. Be his witness. Be his witness in word and deed this weekend. There's something else bigger coming up. If you were here over Labor Day weekend, if you love Jesus enough to show up to worship on Labor Day weekend, we know who you were. We took pictures and notes. Um, I, I said to those who were here that God has laid something on my heart that it is about as exciting and about as big as I've had, or, or maybe say it this way, more clear of a leading than I've had in a long time, just being away with him. And I said I was going to tell you last week, and I didn't. Aren't I a jerk? Uh, yes. Um, but really, it's still fleshing out. But I'll give you just the tip of the iceberg. It's going to be more than just fusion um, uh, the weekend on October 5th, 6th, and 7th. Um, there's going to be opportunities for us to show the love of Christ in word and deed tangibly on that weekend. God's pierced my heart that even in the midst of the fact that we finished this year $350,000 in the red. You had a great year giving. Our expenses were up. Some things didn't happen. And this isn't, it's like the second time in our church's history that we, we, we finished the year with some big red numbers. As a matter of fact we got some, a big gap still in our Growing Strong campaign. You see that we've moved dirt. We knocked down the youth house. How does that make me feel? Ten years of my ministry just crumbles. Um, but it's exciting news. Uh, there's some stuff. There's an education building going up, an incredible opportunity to reach into our community. We're, we're behind there too. But God's pressed on my heart that it can't be just about making up deficit. It's got to be about giving it away. So in the midst of our poverty... I believe God's leading me to lead you on that weekend to have an extra offering to give away. Um, to say, uh, we believe in what God is doing at Restore 
an Armenia at church planting. You see, one of the greatest ways we can be a witness is to plant congregations like this. And that's why we're so excited for Ted and Trisha Sin and the core group that's developing to go down into downtown Orlando and the vision to reach more. And we're going to ask, and we have been asking for you all to pray, saying, am I, am I supposed to be a witness down there? Am I supposed to give my life? And you know what? It scares me sometimes. It scares me because I love you. And there's not every seat filled here yet. I don't know why, but it's not. I'm supposed to laugh at that. But anyway... <laughs> But being a witness says it's going to be about Christ and his king, his kingdom. And it's not going to be about Orangewood. And as long as God gives me breath, I'm not going to let us be about Orangewood. Because we got a bigger story than Orangewood. we got his story. Isn't that awesome? So in a couple of weeks, you'll hear more details about what we're going to be doing. But it became very clear to me in the midst of all that was happening that we still, now's the time to put our money where our mouth is. Do we really believe it? Um, this extra offering is going to be special. It's going to be for those of you who have our tithing and for those of you who have given to our capital campaign because I believe that we should give first and foremost here. Um, And I'll tell you what God's put on my heart to lead the charge. But we need to be a a worshiping church and word and deed. And listen, just take this, put this in your Bible. Um, Take it out, put it in your Bible so you'll be praying about it. Um, If you see it first time next Sunday, bad news. Um, Make sure that you uh, get to it this week as well. Lastly, in closing, is this, the last point. You see, the only reason that we're on mission, the only reason we can be a witnessing church, and here's the beauty, listen, this is the beauty. Our triune God is a God who's on mission. We sang, so praise the God who saves and praise the God who bled. If we look back and we pick up Acts chapter 2, and it tells us who added to their number daily those who were being saved. Who did it? Was it the apostles and their signs and wonders? Was it the awe? Was it the great teaching? Was it the slick promotional pieces? Was it the website? Who added to their number? The Lord did. Our job is to tell his story. His job is to change hearts. We can't do it. Only he can. We have a God who saves. And all those that he saves, all those that he gives a new heart to, gives the ability to have new faith, gives to them the precious, glorious gift of his son, to all those the Lord saves, guess what he does? He adds them to the church. He says, now church, take care of them. And I'm under the belief that he's only going to give those who are being saved to a church that will love them and nourish them. Do we expect the Lord to do this in our midst? Are we expecting him? I love what Spurgeon said to a young preacher. A young preacher said, I don't understand it. Why I'm not seeing more converts. I don't see why there's not more people coming to Christ. And Spurgeon said to him, well, do you expect them to come every time you preach? Do you expect people to get saved every time you preach? The guy goes, no, not every time, but it'd be nice. You know, sometimes I think I'm really on. I think those times. He goes, that's where you missed it. Every time God's word's proclaimed, expect that the Lord will add to your number. Expect that souls will be saved. i got to confess, there's a lot of Sundays that I don't expect the Lord to save souls here. It's got to change. we got to tell a story. Bring your friends. you got the greatest story ever told. We need to become a witnessing community because our God is on mission. It's a Father who calls. It's a Son who enables. It's a Spirit that empowers. 
and adds to our number daily. A flagship church. Well, we're a flagship church if we can say, not unto us. Not unto us, but to your name be the glory. We're a flagship church if we say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be a learning community, a loving community, a worship community, and we're going to be a witnessing community. A flagship church that says, yes, Piper, led by the Spirit, got it right. Worship has got to be the fuel. It's got to be the goal. Our community, listen, picture it, Orlando, picture it. Orlando worshiping Jesus together. Picture the multitudes coming. Picture them falling down. Picture the churches filled for the glory of God so that they too can worship. Then we'll be a flagship for the glory of God. Let us pray. Father, Thank you for the privilege of being your storytellers. And thank you for empowering us through the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray for anyone here today who has yet to embrace this story as their own, who has yet to come to Christ and say, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. God, we ask that today you would be merciful, that today you would change their heart, Today, you would give them the ability to embrace Christ as Savior and to realize the joy of having our sins forgiven, the joy of being set free, the joy of being ushered into the family. If there's anyone here today who wants to know that joy and wants to be a part of the story, just simply right now, in the quietness of your heart, go to God in Christ and simply pray acknowledging your sins, embracing Jesus Christ as your Savior, and inviting Him in to give you eternal life in Christ. If that's you, come tell us so we can journey along with you. For the rest of us, Father, may we continue, those of us that are yours, to give our lives a living sacrifice telling your story. Receive these tithes and offerings. Use them to advance your kingdom. They're a sign that we love you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.